competitor SVODs are bundling up to cut churn and boost lifetime value. Peacock reaches 30 million subscribers while Warner Brother Discovery's fast strategy raises questions. Listen in to learn more. This week's edition of Inside the Stream. This is Will Richmond from Video News, and that was Colin Dixon from Endscreen Media at the top there. Hi, Colin. How is uh, everything on your end this week? Yeah, it's good, Will, and I'm beginning to think about our end of year podcast where we sum up the top stories of the year. So that will be upcoming. I'm not sure if we'll do it next week or the following week, but we need to start thinking about our top stories. We do indeed. And speaking of top stories, we have four stories that caught our attention this week. So we have a bit of an around the horn uh, once again, and you are going to get us started. So one of the interesting things that's really been showing up a lot, particularly this week, Will, is that SVOD competitors are beginning to work together to create retail bundles. And the one that particularly, well, there were a couple that particularly caught my eye this week. The first, I guess, was the rumor that Paramount, Paramount Global and Apple are talking about making a bundle of Paramount Plus and Apple TV Plus. So that, that was one. But there were several others as well. So for example, Verizon, is offering a bundle of Max and Netflix, the with ads versions, to Verizon wireless subscribers that have un- unlimited wireless. So it's a pretty good bundle. It's a $7 discount if you want both of those. So Netflix with ads is 7 bucks. Max with ads is 10 bucks. But you can get this bundle for basically $10 a month. So there was that. There were, there's also a sort of bundle, an interesting, a different approach to a bundle. And that is Peacock is now available. If you're an Instacart Plus member, Peacock with ads is available to you for free as part of your membership for being an Instacart Plus member. And it should be noted also that Paramount Plus is in a bundle with Walmart as Walmart Plus. Uh, and that's the free offer in inside of uh, Walmart Plus if you want to watch some video. So this bundling thing, particularly the competitor bundles, is very interesting, Will. And I, I had spoken to Paramount Global's Jeff Schultz, um, who's a chief business officer for, for Paramount Global. I spoke with him earlier this year at a conference and we talked about this idea of discount bundles. And at the time, they just announced Paramount Plus and Netflix were in a bundle with Verizon's Plus Play. Verizon's Plus Play is a sort of um, aggregation play where you can manage all of your SVOD subscriptions through this Plus Play program. And I asked him about working with competitors like Netflix on a bundle. And and what he said was this. He said, a bundle subscriber is a superior subscriber. We are going to see something different in terms of engagement or in terms of lower churn and better retention. 
And I, I think it's really the lower churn and better retention thing that these bundles really help address. I was looking at some antenna data, which was looking, which, which reported on churn amongst Paramount Plus and Apple TV Plus. Uh, remember, they're, they're rumored to be talking about doing a bundle. And their churn is really high. So they're both about 7% a month. 7% a month are churning in and out of those services, which is very, very high. That's, it's actually higher than the industry average, according to Antenna, which is 5.7%. And they they looked at they tracked their churn, uh, Paramount Plus and Apple TV Plus over the last year, and it is significantly higher than the average churn uh, for the whole year for the whole last year. So so churn is a real problem, and of course the corollary of churn is customer lifetime value. Getting people to stick around longer just means that they're paying you longer and watching your ads. Uh, and earning you more money. So there's lots of incentive and plenty of evidence that when you create a bundle like this, a retail bundle like this, it really works to help you reduce your churn. And I, this, this has been a very, very standard technique, Will, in, inside of TV services for goodness knows how long. I remember Brian Roberts when Comcast first put together its bundle of broadband and pay television, uh, crowing about how low churn was for customers that were subscribed to both services. So the great thing about this is that thinking about back to the good old days of the big, big bundle, there... Although you had competitor channels, so, you know, you have ABC, CBS, and all of the cable channels, and they're all competing for our attention. But the funny thing is, when you're in a bundle like that, even if you don't have great content that week, people aren't going to leave the bundle because they've got lots of other stuff going on in in another service. And I think that's what goes on here. I think if, let's say, Paramount Plus and Apple TV Plus do put together a bundle and it's a significant discount, if Paramount Plus really hasn't got very much going on that that month, but Apple TV Plus does, a customer's much less likely to churn out of the bundle because, you know, they signed up for the bundle. So if they want to leave, they have to leave the bundle. So they're just much less likely to churn. So I think this just makes a lot of sense. And as Jeff Schultz says, you know, you just get much better, uh, much lower churn and better retention. So although the SVODs are competing for our viewing time, they get to keep the subscription, even the subscription you're paying, even though they, they might be getting slightly less as being part of a bundle. So I think this makes a lot of sense. I will say, though, I don't think this means that we're going to see a grand unification where all of the big services come together in a single bundle. And that's the only way you can get them. We're never going back to the big bundle. They're always going to keep their separate services. So, 
you know if you want if you want to get rid of the bundle you're really not using one service you can you can go back to using the individual service but you know if we're thinking about themes for next year i think we're going to see a lot of bundles going on i think it just makes a lot of sense I wouldn't be at all surprised if Apple TV Plus and Paramount Plus become available in a bundle. So you you think more kind of pairs as bundles rather than uh, multiple services within a bundle? That's an interesting idea. I, I have often thought that there should be bundles of services that sort of cater to an audience. So I think there is an opportunity, but I think there is the law of diminishing returns, right? Well, um, how many people would would want three or four of the same services? Probably each each one you add, it gets less and less, right? So there's definitely a law of diminishing returns. Um, whether the optimal value is two services or three, I don't know. But so I'm sure we'll see some three services come together i mean certainly apple tv right excuse me certainly disney already has a triple play bundle of espn plus hulu and uh disney plus and that triple play bundle seems to have been doing extremely well although i will say that that was extremely aggressively priced it was a price so that if you wanted any two of those services you'd be crazy not to get the bundle because you got the third Mm -hmm for free um that's changing so you know the the interest in a triple play bundle might not be quite so much with disney uh and we'll get to disney a little bit in in a little bit here but uh but no i think definitely two makes a lot of sense three maybe does in some circumstances but much beyond that i'm not sure that there's a lot of a lot of a lot to be gained by doing that Generally speaking, two's company, three's a crowd when it comes to uh, SVOD bundling. I think that's probably true. And and yeah. the one thing I should say is the, the, the other type of bundle I mentioned, which is Paramount Plus as being the default video option inside of Walmart Plus and Peacock being the default video option inside of Instacart Plus. Those make sense too as well, right? Because you're giving the cheapest plan which includes ads you're probably getting although nobody will comment they're probably getting a wholesale rate for the subscription for for a subscription price for the service in from instacart from that membership program so you get the incrementally you get the incremental ad viewing you get a little bit for the uh, for, for subscription uh, and you also there's no inset there's no reason why people are going to cancel you because they're part of Instacart Plus and as long as they're part of that they're going to they're going to keep you and keep watching you. Oh and there's the added added thing that it might actually get people if they really like it to upgrade to ad free or something with your service. So those make sense as well and certainly the you know that that, that will help retain subscribers both for Instacart Plus and for Peacock. Yeah, agreed. And one reaction to what you were saying earlier about how bundles can lower churn and increase retention, that those rates that you were quoting from the antenna research, you're talking about like 50 to 80% annual churn, yeah. losing half to three quarters of 
uh, a subscriber base over the course of a year. And given what the cost of acquisition is uh, per subscriber these days in this intensely competitive world, um, absolutely, I think reducing churn and improving retention is a top priority. And I think, you know, you said it well, that the decision to churn is a bigger decision when you're going to lose two services as opposed to just one. And um, the likelihood that there's going to be something available on the other service when it might be a dry month for, you know, the the primary service that you you, you originally drawn to um, is going to help to reduce churn and anything that increases lifetime value then can be modeled against what the reduction is on ARPU from you know lowering the price in the bundle. And that's a relatively simple uh, calculation, I think, that the SVOD services can make. And, you know, especially in a world where they've all been raising prices, as we know, there's some extra wiggle room there to, you know, potentially take a discount in a bundled package. Uh, if it's going to really improve uh, improve churn and improve lifetime value, that's that's right, Will. And funnily enough, it's interesting that you mentioned that there was some interesting research from Hub this week, right? Because uh, that people have noticed that that the S bonds are raising their raising their prices, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think the research that you're referring to from Hub found that. Uh, people are noticing prices are going up. They're setting budgets for themselves. Uh, they're expressing interest in having some type of a you know unified one experience that uh, all their different services flow through better UI. So um, subscribers are are aware of of what they're paying and what uh, and how the world has been trending to be the S five world has been trending to become more expensive. They certainly are, Will. But anyway, may, maybe that's long enough on this topic. So should we move on to another one? Yeah, let's go quickly to um, some news from Peacock this week that uh, some of our listeners may have seen. Uh, Mike Cavanaugh, Comcast CEO, announcing on Monday that Peacock has now hit 30 million paid subscribers um, at an ARPU of $10 per month. And they uh, Peacock is, I think, about three years into the market now. So they've shown pretty steady growth. I think just in the past two years, they've increased from about 6 million subscribers to 30 million subscribers. And, um, you know, clearly they've put a lot of resources into um, into Peacock. That growth to 30 million has not come cheap. They, I think, reiterated recently that they're going to lose about $2.8 billion in 2023 on Peacock. That's on top of the $3 billion that they lost in 2022. So you're talking about almost $6 billion in those just those two years. I can't recall what it was in the first year of Peacock's launch. But, um, but you know, at this point, they're clearly on a growth, a nice growth trajectory, still, of course, well behind the market leaders, uh, Netflix and, um, and, and Disney Plus. But, um, but good growth there for Peacock. And the, um, you know, and I think it also shows that uh, their strategy to change their pricing model seems to have worked out pretty well. Um, listeners might recall that when Peacock launched, the um, you know the the word that was probably most spoken at the uh, at the big launch was free. Uh, they really positioned Peacock as a free service and free ad supported service, and um, 
then not that long thereafter dropped the free tier, just like Hulu dropped its free tier. They dropped the free tier, now have a $6 a month ad supported tier and a $12 a month ad free tier. So they um, have, I think, really realized that they wanted to have that dual revenue stream. They wanted to have the subscription fees as well as the um, as well as the ad revenue. And it seems like that model is working out pretty well for them. They're, of course, now exiting Comcast has exited uh, Hulu. So Peacock um, is their main horse in the streaming landscape now. And you know, 30 million now, we'll see what they can do in the next year. And of course, a key challenge for them is is getting themselves to break even. You mentioned the fact that they did launch as a free service or, or partially free. They had they, they always had that subscription tier there too. I still think, well, that they, had I been in charge, I would have probably kept the free tier. I would have probably... Um, morphed that free tier to be focus it really around being much more of a fast service so it would have had a lot of linear channels with a lot of my library content that I was rotating in and out of that uh, and possibly licensing other or, or, or inviting other people to participate in that free tier too I think I would have kept that and I think they would have still seen the stock they could have still used the the free tier as a feeder into Peacock Premium. Uh, I I really think, although I'm, I think they've done extremely well to get to 30 million subscribers. I think they could have done even better if they've maintained that free tier. When they retired it, it was it was the leading fast service in the US. It was ahead of everybody else. Um, it was ahead of Tubi and Pluto TV and the Roku channel in the number of people that were using it. So I really think that they were missing out there. So I, I guess I'm still disappointed that they withdrew that. And I still think that they could have done a lot better with the advertising revenue and monetize some of that library content more directly uh, if, they'd, if they'd maintained it. But, uh, you know, I guess that's water under the bridge now. I think it's a very fair point. And um, when they launched, or sorry, when they dropped the free version, I can't remember when that was exactly, but what what was the um, evolution of the fast market at that point? Had it already grown to a pretty healthy clip? I can't recall. It was last year, Will. And yes, it was already okay. growing extremely fast. Yeah. And, that, and that's one of the reasons why I was just so surprised that they did that, because why wouldn't you want to participate Right. in a market that was growing that fast. Uh, and Paramount has done a great job, I think, of using Pluto to participate in that market. I, I, as you say, I'm just very surprised that you that they would withdraw from a market that is just becoming such a part of people's viewing. Well, that question can be asked on top of what took them all these years to launch Peacock in the first place, I suppose. So. Yeah. <laughs> Start pulling on those threads and who knows where you're going to go. Yeah. But maybe maybe this is a good segue into our next topic, Will, which is Warner Brothers Discovery. So last year, I think it was, um, in, it was actually in mid-2022, Warner Brothers Discovery announced that they were planning on launching a fast service in 2023. Um, and... 
uh, right after that, they started licensing some of their content. In particular, they made headlines because they were licensing some HBO content into other fast services. Well, this week, they are continuing to pile on with the fast services. They have launched, or they're planning on launching 37 that's right, 37 new channels into uh, Freebie from Amazon. Uh, they have already launched, or I think they said they launched 21 on the 5th, and we're recording here on the 7th. They said that they'd launched uh, 21 new channels, CNN Headlines, Say Yes to the Dress, the FBI, Bachelor Nation, and a bunch of others into freebie on Amazon and a bunch more coming. Uh, the rest will launch uh, by the end of the year or early 2024. And clearly they seem to think that the partnership with Amazon and of course Warner Brothers Discovery is a very close partner of, of Amazon. Uh, people will remember that uh, HBO Max before it was part of WB Discovery, it fought very hard to get out of Amazon's uh, part, a partnership with Amazon where they were being sold through channels. Well, one of the first things that WB Discovery did when it took over was it put HBO Max back inside of channels. So they're very, very close partners. Uh, and they're continuing to work very closely with them here on Freebie. Uh, so... This, I think this is really surprising behavior given that they've stated that they want to launch their own service. And I think they should. I think they should do this. Uh, that's why I was surprised that Peacock stopped doing this. Um, they're fo definitely following the uh, Paramount Global strategy with Pluto TV in planning on doing it. But that's why I'm really surprised that they're continuing to be so liberal with their licensing of content into other fire services and helping them be successful when they could have launched their own. And I think they have a sufficient library that they could make it interesting enough that a lot of people would be attracted to it. But apparently that's that's not what they're going to do. J.P. Perrette, who's CEO and president of Global Streaming and Games for Warner Brothers, he said this week, we will continue to look to see if we can increase that volume for a second, third, fourth monetization window for, a, for certain content. And we will continue to explore the owned and operated strategy. By that, I think he means their own fast service. And at some point in time, Longer term, we do see the opportunity for this WB TV brand and platform to exist in an owned and operated environment. So WBD, WBD TV is what they're planning on calling it. But I just don't get it. Why would you sit on the sidelines, Will, and help other fast platforms be successful when you could have your own in the market, uh, have it have it grow with this extremely fast expanding market. Why would you sit on the sidelines and help potential competitors be successful when you could be participating directly? I just don't get it. Listeners, listeners can't see me shaking my head with an answer of, I don't know either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, it's, it's just, it just, uh, it's look, Fasts are growing extremely quickly. 
and they're becoming they're already a very large part of our viewing diet here in the US and they're growing very well in other countries too they're one of the first places that people go when they buy a new fast when they, when they buy a new smart TV is they they can immediately start watching these free services and they're clearly doing so engagement is increasing when I talk to folks like Jeff Schultz over at uh, Paramount plus he tells me that yeah, uh, engagement uh, in service in in their Pluto TV continues to grow. And looking at the numbers from folks like Vizio and from Roku, both of which have pretty successful fast services, watch watch free plus for Vizio and the Pluto channel. The Pluto channel continues to be number one free free channel on on um, Roku powered devices. So. You're seeing engagement going up. You're seeing the number of users going up. This is this this just is a market that you should be participating in, right? But uh, I guess not. I guess Warner Brothers are seeing something that I'm just not. It sounds like it, Colin. I'm not sure what else to tell you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but then again, given it's Warner Brothers, they could uh, they could change their approach tomorrow. For all you know. Well, perhaps they will. Perhaps they'll have something for us for the new year. But uh, anyway, we have one other sort of bundle to talk about, right? Yeah, last, I think last and pretty quick. Um, we both noticed this week that uh, Disney Plus has added a Hulu tile to its main navigation alongside um, Disney, Pixar, Marvel, Star Wars, and National Geographic. So, uh, now there's a Hulu tile there, and um, it sounds like it is available for anybody who has both a Disney Plus and a Hulu subscription using the same email, and they will also get the same level of service. So in other words, if you have ad-supported Disney Plus, you'll get ad-supported Hulu and uh, vice versa. If you get uh, ad-free, you'll get ad-free Hulu. So. It's described as being launched in a beta mode, but is supposed to launch officially in March of next year. And all this, of course, is coming as a result of Disney um, buying out Comcast share in Hulu and taking full ownership of it. The final terms of that deal are, are not yet completely ironed out. As we know, there's a valuation process going on for Hulu. But um for uh, joint subscribers of the two, and this kind of goes back to our bundling strategy, our bundling discussion from earlier, there's now um, that much more value within the Disney Plus subscription because you get easy access to Hulu. And this also aligns with what the uh, research from Hub was talking about, that many users are looking for a, a unified type of experience. So obviously it's you know, there are lots of services that aren't in this um, in this uh, UI at this point, but um, but at least for Disney, Hulu and the other services that are, there's um, there's extra value for subscribers. So you actually ha are one of those Disney Plus subscribers that has had the Hulu tile show up. So what has your experience been like so far? I mean, it looks it looks great, Will. It's been integrated in with the Disney Plus look and feel, which uh, you know I think is is pretty good. But I got to say, Disney Plus really does need help. I, I'm looking here at some data from a little bit earlier in the year from Comscore, from their Status Streaming 2023 report, Will. And I really think that Disney Plus needs some help. Uh, the usage, the hours 
per month per household is significantly lower than pretty much everybody else. For example, uh, Netflix, they say is being, people are watching about 35 hours a month. And even Hulu, people are watching 34 hours a month. Disney Plus is 12. Now, if you are pushing your ad-supported version, that is a huge problem. You really need to have people watching a lot longer for those ads to be valuable to you. So I think this is one of the reasons why they're being quite aggressive now in moving that Hulu content into Disney Plus to get viewership up of Disney Plus uh, so that they can make a, make a little bit money, a little bit more money through ads. I, I, honestly, though, I don't know how successful it will be at doing that. I still wonder uh, how much crossover there is between Hulu and Disney Plus. Well, I guess they've got me uh, at the moment. But to be honest with me, if, if I'm, a, I'm an example, I'm a bad example. I spend almost no time in Disney Plus. The only reason I have Disney Plus is because it was in an aggressively priced bundle. And to be honest, I'm going to go, one of my duties over the holidays is to review my pricing and see if it's better for me to go back to just having Hulu because I get no value out of Disney Plus at all. I think I haven't watched a movie, we haven't watched a movie in Disney Plus in, a, in, in several months. So I, I think Disney Plus has a problem. There, there's not enough, there's simply not enough content flowing into that service anymore. Bob Iger's been very clear that they are cutting the amount of content that's available through the service and cutting the amount they're spending on creating new, new content for the service. And I think that service is going to start to lose a lot of subscribers starting, you know, later this year when, when they get their next price increase, which is coming, which has just come, I think. I think now, um, the pricing, it's even more expensive, particularly for ad free, ad free viewers. So I think they're going to start to lose a lot of subscribers. Uh, maybe this bundling will help retain some. I guess we'll have to wait and see, but I really do think unless they do something pretty dramatic that Disney Plus is going to start to lose a lot of subscribers since in 2024. Are we going to end the podcast on that Debbie Downer note, Colin? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know what else to tell you, Will. Um, I'm, <laughs> I, I've, been, I've been very concerned about what's going to happen with Hulu now that it really won't have any NBC content in it. Uh, well, I don't know if it'll have any, no NBC content and maybe NBC will be licensing some content to Hulu going forward. But, uh, the vast majority of that content now has gone back to Peacock. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm spending less time in Hulu these days and I'm spending more time in services like Peacock and Paramount Plus. So I suspect that that's something that's probably common to a lot of people. And I think both services could suffer in the new year. But uh, I guess we'll have to see. We'll have to wait and see. Maybe that's good news for Peacock. I don't know. Okay, let's leave it as a wait and see on a semi, semi at least uncertain or happy note there. Uh, we'll leave it at that for today, Colin. We cover a lot of ground. So good chatting as always. And thanks everybody for listening in on this week's Inside the Stream. And we will see you all again next week. Inside 
Inside the Stream is a production of in-screen media and video news, all rights reserved.